In the studio with us now, movie Mike McGranahan is here. He's a professional movie critic, women in cinema advocate, prolific author and tweeter. Top 10 best films of 2022, which, of course, as it rolls off the tongue, begs, begs the question, what are the worst ones? So <laughs> we'll hear those next week, right? Is that, is well, that, we can talk about them today. Uh, we can talk about them next week. Whatever you want, Mark. Okay. Well, maybe next week. we got a lot to cover in a short amount of time. Uh, we are going to talk about top 10 lists. So let's mm-hmm. start at the bottom, I guess, would be a good way to do it. Okay. Here are my picks for the 10 best films of 2022. Number 10, Fresh. Daisy Edgar-Jones and Sebastian Stan are excellent in this consistently surprising horror movie about a woman whose dream guy turns into a nightmare. Number 9, Soft and Quiet, a harrowing independent film that takes a look at the dangers of white supremacy in everyday life. Number 8, Avatar The Way of Water. James Cameron's 3D adventure offers nonstop thrills and excitement. Number seven, Triangle of Sadness. Woody Harrelson is hilarious as a boozy yacht captain in this stinging satire of social class. Number six, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Action, comedy, drama, and science fiction collide in this endlessly creative sleeper hit. Number five, The Menu. Ray finds his perfection in this smartly written dark comedy thriller about a deranged chef who might be planning to kill his diners. Number four is Babylon. Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie indulge in the debauchery of Hollywood's early days in this wild, hilarious, and eventually heartbreaking epic. Number three, RRR. This Indian sensation delivers three hours of gloriously over-the-top action, as well as one of the most joyous musical numbers of all time. Number two, Top Gun Maverick. This sequel to the 1986 Tom Cruise hit executes the mainstream blockbuster style of filmmaking to perfection. I saw it three times last year. (laughs) And my choice for the best film of 2022 is The Fablemans. Steven Spielberg's semi-autobiographical tale is both a poignant family drama and a compelling look at the life events that influence a budding filmmaker. So Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans, my pick for the year's best film. And how many people have seen The Fablements? I'm sorry to say that I haven't seen much about it other than from you. Unfortunately, it has not done well. It's struggling to even get to $13 million at the box office. There was a time when a new Steven Spielberg movie, especially one that was autobiographical, would have been a major hit. But we're living in that time period right now where people are waiting to see smaller films at home on streaming, and they're only going to theaters for the spectacles like Avatar and Black Panther and things like that. And, and it's a real shame. And where is Fablemans now? Still in movie houses? It's still in theaters, but it's also available to stream, uh, to rent at this point on VOD. I think it's one of those where it's at the premium price of $20. So you can see it at home now, and hopefully more people will be exposed to it. But it is, it is a little bit concerning when movies like that don't do as well at the box office because it makes the studios less likely to make them. And we're going to end up in a situation where all we get is Batman and Spider-Man and, you know, another Minions movie and another Fast and Furious. And we don't get these kind of slightly smaller, more interesting kind of films anymore. Well, but the movie houses did a spring back in 2022. They did to a degree. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it was maybe not as much as they wanted because there were a couple slow spots and the number of releases was not as high as it was in the pre-pandemic era. Now, 2023 is supposed to be the first year where the number of releases is back to normal. And there's certainly a lot of big films coming up this year. So I think that we're really going to see the full spring back coming in 2023. 
Well, we'll keep an eye on that. On your website, do you say where we can see these films today, whether it's on demand or not? Uh, no, it's not okay. on there. It's just the list of the movies. And your name of the site where you go to that lists whether it, where every film is these days? Justwatch.com. <laughs> How many times have you told me that? I ought to just write it down and leave it written down in front of me. Justwatch.com. If you want to know what movie is where on what streaming service in theaters, it lists them all. I have gone to it. Mm-hmm. It's a good and, site. Very uh, helpful. Yeah, and it gives you a lot of information. Not a lot of cookies or anything like that or ads pop up. It's just uh, there's the information right in plain sight. So you get that. Okay, so that's the top ten, ending with The Fablemans by Steven Spielberg, which never really turned out to be a significant home run, except in your heart and in your mind. Yeah, I hope people will see it. It's a very, very good film. And I would put it in the same league with Spielberg's best work. I would put it up there with Raiders and Jurassic Park. I mean, obviously, it's a different kind of film, but I think it is at that level of quality filmmaking. And are critics generally in agreement with you on that observation? Yeah, and I think the Oscar voters are going to be, too. I think this movie will do well during awards season, and hopefully it'll encourage some people to see it because of all those nominations it's expected to get to. Award season is here, so... It's already underway, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. we hopefully... We, you're right there. We'll hear more about that, and since it's a well-done film, we certainly want, it, want uh, eyes to be on it when the, the time comes. Okay, well, real quickly, a worst 10 list? Why not? We'll have you recount that. Uh, my worst 10, yeah, um, number 10 is Mac and Rita, which was a terrible... Diane Keaton movie. She plays a 30-year-old who turns into her 70-year-old self. Uh, just an over-the-top, <laughs> embarrassing performance from her. Uh, number nine was the remake of Firestarter with Zac Efron. The 1984 Drew Barrymore version is better. Uh, number eight is The Desperate Hour, a school shooter drama with Naomi Watts. School shooter dramas are tasteless, and this movie <laughs> is especially tasteless. Uh, number seven was the Christian comedy Family Camp, which had absolutely zero laughs. Uh, Number six, The King's Daughter, a Pierce Brosnan movie that sat on the shelf for seven years before getting released in 2022. It should have sat on the shelf for another (laughs) seven years. Uh, Number five, No Exit. This was a streaming movie, went straight to Hulu about a girl trying to figure out who's kidnapped another little girl in a roadside rest stop. Just cheap thrills, putting a child in danger for no reason. Number four was The Friendship Game, kind of a teenage hellraiser about these kids who play this mysterious game that tests their friendship and puts them in danger. Very confusing and difficult to follow. Number three, The Ice Age Adventures of Buck Wild. Another Ice Age spinoff without any of the original characters. It went straight to Disney+. And this is bottom-of-the-barrel filmmaking. <laughs> no imagination or wit. Uh, speaking of which, Disney+, Plus had my number two movie as well, Hocus Pocus 2, an abysmal sequel to the abysmal 1993 original. And uh, my choice for the worst film of 2022 is The Storied Life of A.J. Fickery, which people probably have not heard of. It did get a fairly wide theatrical release, but absolutely bombed. It's based on a best-selling novel, and this is a rare movie I have seen that tries to create no dramatic tension. This movie feels like it was edited by Edward Scissorhands. (laughs) It jumps from one thing to another. You don't know what's going on. You don't know why things are happening, uh, and it just really makes no sense. That one stars... David Arquette, Christina Hendricks from Mad Men, Lucy Hale from Pretty Little Liars. Hmm. So it had a pretty decent cast, uh, rightfully did not get noticed at the box office. So that is my choice for the worst (laughs) film of the year. You notice that these are not, by and large, the mainstream Hollywood studio releases, and that's what I'm talking about. Movies like this aren't going to theaters anymore. The majority of these films 
went to streaming or on demand. The only one that was a true full-blooded theatrical studio release was Firestarter, and even that streamed on Peacock at the same time. So when studios know they have a clunker, I think they're half the time not even releasing it to theaters anymore. They're just putting it on a streaming service or on VOD. Sell it to the streamers and Mm -hmm. go from there. Okay. Yeah. Well, and I know there's a lot of bad films on streaming. You know, they make their own bad films now and keep them on streaming. So you never even see them at the theater. You don't never really hear much about them. Right. You you just kind of fall into them inadvertently and uh, unfortunately while you're sifting through a movie to watch. Okay, uh, let's do, let's look at a movie that looks pretty interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. The Pale Blue Eye. I saw the trailer you sent me. It does look interesting. It debuts on Netflix today. It stars Christian Bale, and it's a period murder mystery. He is brought in to solve a murder at West Point where a cadet has been killed and his heart has been carved out, and no one knows why. And he gets help from another cadet, a young man by the name of Edgar Allan Poe. Now, that sounds like a really great premise for a movie, having the young Edgar Allan Poe helping Christian Bale's detective solve this mystery. And for a while, it's good. But the second half of the movie, or the second act, gets very bogged down in exposition. And then the third act introduces this kind of of out-of-nowhere supernatural twist that I guess is supposed to be a nod to Edgar Allan Poe's writing, but the movie has not really set up that it's going to go in that direction. And then at the end, there's, you know, the requisite surprise twist where you think the movie's over and, oh, wait, we've got one more surprise for you. So I like the performances. I like the look and the mood of the movie, but Mm -hmm. story-wise, it didn't quite work for me. Two and a half stars for The Pale Blue Eye. It's just good enough to be disappointing, if that makes any sense. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, it it really looks fabulous. I mean, when you you see that Edgar Allan Poe is portrayed in it and Mm -hmm. then... um, of course, the main actor is uh, fabulous, does a good job. So uh, I can see what you're saying, that it's just good enough to be disappointing. Okay, pale blue eye, two and a, two and a half pose, we'll call it, for, for lack of a better guess. All right, uh, Jeremy Renner. A lot of folks had to mm-hmm. get to the filmography to see where they had seen him, but I think he's pretty much a household name. But hurt badly, snow cat device? Yeah, yeah, we got more information on his injury. Uh, officials say that Jeremy Renner was helping a family member get their car out of the snow with his snow cat. He stepped out of the vehicle to talk to his family member, and the vehicle started to roll. He tried to get back in to stop it and was crushed. The right side of his chest collapsed, and his upper torso was crushed, and he was experiencing heavy bleeding from the head and other injuries. So this was very serious. He's apparently pretty lucky to be alive. All right, yeah, physician nearby or medic of some kind? Yeah, his neighbor was a doctor who put a tourniquet on him and stopped the bleeding, and then they airlifted him to the hospital. He is doing better. He's been posting on social media some updates, so we do wish him a speedy recovery. Okay, yeah, absolutely. And then a billion (laughs) dollars for Avatar. Not the first film to do so, but certainly in an elite club. Absolutely, and, you know, when this movie came out, People were saying, oh, Avatar had no cultural imprint. You know, people saw it at the time. Nobody cares about it anymore. Well, guess what? People do care about it because it crossed a billion dollars worldwide. 
and it's still going. It's only been out for a couple of weeks. It still has a lot of playtime left. So it, it could end up getting closer to you know, $1.8, $2 billion, who knows? But it's definitely a major, major hit. And once again, James Cameron proves his naysayers wrong. He delivers every single time. <laughs> Amen to that, boy. Yeah, we haven't seen it yet. We're waiting for some of the crowds. But uh, we, we see that a lot of the film is still not sold out, but nearly sold out mm-hmm. during the peak times on yeah. weekend afternoons and weekday evenings. So or weekend evenings. Well, thank you so much, Movie Mike. Thank you very much for checking in. Movie Mike McGranahan, you can check out aisleseat.com. That's his website, everything you'd want to know about uh, films that are out there, streaming and in the theaters. He's got there, and uh, he invites you to do what I'm doing now. Go to justwatch.com to figure out where some shows are. Movie Mike's appearances on WKOK, sponsored by the Campus Theater, campustheater.org.